I drove slowly, trying to avoid hitting one of the crashed cars or bodies of the unfortunate victims of the lethal weather event. The snow was coming down in thick flurries, making it difficult to see far ahead of me. I only narrowly missed some piece of a crashed car or some other debris that would have potentially disabled my car. Something as simple as a flat tire would mean almost certain death for me. Unable to leave the safety of the cabin to repair it, I'd be stranded out in the open, opening the door being akin to suicide. There were an uncountable number of victims out in the road. The near instantaneous effect of the snow had on people had caused many of them to fall into the road, making the travel around the city very tedious. Though there was nothing that could be done for them, I couldn't bring myself to simply drive over the corpses. Occasionally, the snow flurries would calm down, increasing visibility when I drove between taller buildings. I could see that the cafe wasn't the only place to include survivors. People coming to the windows of buildings to look out at the car that was driving through the abandoned streets. Thinking about this, those that could have escaped probably already had, and then there were these people in the buildings, marooned. Likely, they didn't have a vehicle they could reach, or they didn't have the skills to hotwire one like I had. There was no way for me to safely reach any of them, to offer assistance and get them out of there. Running for help was the best option for everyone trapped in the city. I was one person, and I was just as susceptible to the fatal liquid in the air as they were. Following this thought, Cassie's final words rang out in my head. You're never around, Owen, she said. When do we ever see each other? You only think about yourself. Maybe I was selfish. Maybe I should risk everything to try to help every person I came across. I shook my head, attempting to erase the thought from my mind. No. The best thing for everyone here is for me to reach someone who can help them. That's not me. I thought about Andrew, who gave his life to make this plan happen. If only for his sake, I needed to continue on. Glancing down at the available gauges on the dash, I realized that gas was going to be an issue soon if I didn't stop at a station. Unfortunately, most of the gas stations downtown were crowded with abandoned cars, and I had no way of moving or towing them out of the way. It was only after I reached the outer edges of the city, and the car was screaming for fuel, that I found an available pump. Thankfully, the event that caused the fatal weather had not knocked out any flow of electricity. I was able to fill the car underneath the safety of the station's outdoor canopy above the pumps. It was an eerie feeling, standing there at the pump, with the snow just a few feet away. It would be so easy to make a mistake, casually walk near the edge and have a snowflake touch me, and that would be it. As the car's tank was nearly full, a sound far off in the distance caught my attention. It was faint, but a rumbling noise like thunder seemed to travel in the air. It occurred to me then that snow may not be the only weather pattern created by the event a few days ago. If this thing could make snow into something lethal, what would a thunderstorm be like, I wondered. I placed the pump handle back into the machine, believed that, for the moment at least, I had enough fuel to continue on. I was hoping that there would be a limit to the deadly snow, maybe an outer edge to the storm where I could escape and find help. Sang out on the open road again, the miles seemed to drag out. 
wheels turning over cement that seemed to have no end. Regardless of how far I drove, the blizzard gave no indication of letting up. After about an hour of leaving the gas station, my theories about the weather patterns were put to the test. While the snow seemed to continue, the clouds themselves also appeared to thicken, darken, like the beginnings of a rainstorm. Lightning struck then, sending bolts of bright light through the cloud, illuminating the intersections. I slowed down the car out of caution, unsure of what would come from this development. I didn't want to be traveling at exorbitantly high speeds when something new happened. The thunder rolled over me then. The sound was strikingly loud, causing me to jump in my seat, even though I was expecting it. It occurred to me, then, that this storm could be far worse than anything I had seen before. Questioning continuing to drive through it, I started to look for shelter. Off in the distance, a white sheet seemed to come from the sky, rapidly approaching me. At first, I was transfixed by the sight, a solid white barrier coming down the road. My skin went cold, though, when I realized that it wasn't snow or rain. It was a solid sheet of hail, the size of baseballs, coming down with such force that it would likely destroy all the windows of the car. I slowed and turned right, exiting the freeway onto a bumpy dirt road. The old suspension of the Camry that was never meant to go off-road, struggling to keep the car steady as I moved away from the main freeway. Thankfully, the road seemed to lead to a farm or ranch that was just off the freeway. Passing through the main gates, I looked toward the storm, seeing a white sheet of falling ice coming ever closer, at a speed I could never outpace. Approaching the buildings at the end of the dirt road, I aimed for a large barn that had its doors open. The hail was right behind me, making a torrential crashing noise as it destroyed everything in its path. The first pieces started to hit the trunk of the car, bashing large dents into it hammering noises echoing on the inside of the vehicle cabin. Throwing caution to the wind on the car suspension, I hit the gas pedal, trying to keep myself ahead of the icy wall. My back window started to take the first balls of ice. It cracked immediately. It started to fall apart as the hail battered it. If I lost these windows, any protection I had relied on from the deadly weather would be gone. The road crashed underneath my tires, bouncing the car left and right. The pounding on the car continued to get louder. I was almost there, almost to the safety of the barn. The entrance passed overhead and I slammed on the brakes, car skidding against the dirt and gravel that made up the floor. Car moving out of control, I braced for the crash that was inevitable. It slammed hard into a stack of hay bales. My body lurched toward the impact, hitting my head against the door. Pain seared through my body from my head. Vision blurred for a moment. I clasped my hand against the injury, groaning in pain. Fumbling for the seatbelt, I opened the door, stumbling out. I was having trouble focusing because of the pain searing through my body. I could see the hail slanting into the earth outside of the structure. The sound of it echoed off the walls. As I watched the weather, now safely out of reach, a sound on my right caught my attention, like a foot crunching on the dirt and gravel of the barn floor. I looked and found a shining, double-barreled shotgun pointed in my face. Two men had come out of hiding behind other hay bales, both with weapons raced in my direction. Who are you? They shouted at me. Come to rob us too, huh? 
We saw what you guys did to the Franklins across the road. What? What are you talking about? I asked, still dazed from the crash. Took all their supplies, left them for dead, that's what. Then, turning to the other man, Get his hands! My hands were quickly bound behind me with zip ties. Then I was thrown to the ground, dust and rocks getting into my eyes and mouth as I crashed down, head still throbbing. I groaned again at the added insult to injury. Check his car, one of them said. The two men went to the Toyota, peering through the windows to see if anyone else was inside, or perhaps for what they could take. I rolled over, trying to get a better view of what they were doing. I didn't rob anyone, I shouted at them. They ignored me, opening the door of the car and looking down to the floorboards and under the seats. Nothing here, one of them said. Go get the pump, we'll take the fuel. One of them moved off to an area of the farm containing an assortment of tools. He came over with a gas can, a pump, and tubing. They opened the lid to the tank fill and jammed the tubing into the car. Looking around for any means of escape, I noticed an open hatch on the other side of the barn from me. I wondered if there was some sort of fallout shelter in here. That would make sense why I didn't notice these guys until they were right on top of me. A small pump kicked on and began sucking the gas out of the car, the precious fuel I had gathered and my only way of getting out of this place. I struggled against my restraints, trying to free myself, but it was hopeless. Outside the barn doors, the weather was intensifying. The hail made way for intense rainfall and wind. Thunder and lightning were picking up with a force unlike anything I had ever heard. The two men stopped their work on the gas for a moment to look out into the storm small pump quietly winding down and no longer sucking out gas. They both stood, looking out, and then one of them pointed and yelled something at the other, which I couldn't hear over the torrential downpour of rain and the howling wind. From where I was laying, it was hard to look through the sheets of weather. I looked carefully, trying to see what they were pointing at. Then, I did see it. A tornado touched down across the road in an open field. The two men looked at each other quickly and then started to move. One of them went to the pump and gas, but the other grabbed him. There's no time for that, he shouted as he pulled him away from the equipment. They both grabbed their guns and started to head down the ladder to their shelter. I still laid there, struggling against the binds the two men had put me in. Give me a chance, I yelled after them. You just gonna leave me like this? They both disappeared into the shelter closing the door behind them. My heart sank, feeling like all hope was lost. I rolled onto my stomach, trying to get my knees under my chest. I was able to get myself up when I looked out and saw the tornado again. It was whipping back and forth with such intensity that it was cleaving sections of the earth out. It turned suddenly and then consumed the farmhouse across the road. It exploded into pieces, lumber, brick, mortar, flung into the sky and all around like a bomb went off inside it. I turned, frantically looking for anything I could use to free my hands from the zip ties. The barn was stood up with steel beams, so I ran to one of them, furiously running the plastic against the edge to break the bond. I looked out toward the tornado, which had moved on from the house and was now tearing apart a shed that was also on the neighboring property. As it did so, 
It split off and became a second, terrible vortex that seemed to move with a mind all its own. Carving a path to some equipment nearby, it grabbed a tractor and flung it into a nearby field. I continued to run the bonds over the steel beam, the skin on my wrist starting to bleed from the plastic cutting into me. Then I felt it, the plastic giving way. It snapped, and I looked down at my hands, realizing that I may actually have a chance to survive this. Running to the car, a pang of rage hit me looking over the partial siphoning the two men had done. I tore the tubing out of the gas tank and checked the container they were filling. They had taken nearly all I had left in the car's tank. Removing the tubing from the can, I turned the nozzle inside out to transform it into a pouring device and upturned it into the car to refill it. As the gas slowly glowed back into the tank, I looked over at the raging tornadoes. They were at the road now, tearing apart the grass and dirt that made up the shoulder. Back to the gas can, it glugged slowly, painfully, sapping precious seconds I had to make an escape from almost certain death heading right toward me. The vortexes were past the road now, sweeping across the main drive toward the barn. I made a judgment call then, thinking I had enough gas to at least get me away from the immediate danger. I pulled back the can and tossed it into the passenger seat in the front. The walls of the barn were shaking now, feeling the intensity of the wind. When I struck the starter wire to the battery and ignition, the car roared into life again. Maneuvering out of the crash position I was in, I smashed on the gas pedal for a burst of speed out of the barn. The tornadoes were nearly on top of me on the road, so I deviated to the right onto uneven grass and dirt. The car bounced left and right unpredictably. Managing to get the car back onto the freeway, though, I looked in the rear view to see the sister tornadoes demolishing the barn I had just escaped from. I wondered about the guys who tried to rob and nearly killed me. They were probably safe from the tornadoes in their bomb shelter, but they would never again be able to venture outside as long as the snow persisted. Though I felt a measure of justice in their outer shelter being destroyed, I didn't wish the death by the snow on anyone. Hopefully they could hold out with their supplies they had in the shelter. Focusing back on the road, I put power into the pavement and picked up speed to distance myself from the tornadoes destroying the farm behind me. Only a couple of miles down the road though, the sky seemed to darken above my path again. Looking up, fear tightening in my chest in anticipation of what could happen next, I saw the clouds start to congregate to a center point above me. I had only witnessed this once back at the cafe, when the clouds centered around the point of the blast. Could there have been more than one missile exploded to cause the intense weather I was driving through? Intent on not finding out, or staying in the maelstrom of tornadoes and hail, I continued to press the gas, hoping to beat the formation of another new weather pattern. I wasn't convinced the protection offered by the cabin of the car would be enough to withstand whatever came next. The lines on the pavement whipped by my view as the speedometer ticked upward to 100 miles per hour. The old little engine in the Toyota whined and complained, but I kept pressing it to its limit. The clouds overhead had created a massive storm system above me, though. The air in front of me seemed to take shape, moving in a single mass larger than anything I had ever seen. From the road, I couldn't discern where the limits of it were. It stretched beyond the concept of imagination. There was no escaping it. 
wind from the outer reaches of the storm started to hit the car, hitting it with a force that was nearly pushing me off the road. I steadied the wheel, determined to press on. There was nowhere else I could escape to, no shelter to be found anywhere in sight. I decided that there was nothing to do but face this threat head on. Driving straight at the storm, I focused all my attention on keeping the line on the road. The storm continued to intensify, creating another giant vortex that seemed like it belonged on another planet. I started to feel the tires lift off the ground, causing my back wheels to skid as I lost traction. Frantic to keep control, I tried to correct the driving line, but it was no use. The car skid horizontally on the freeway and began to flip. I braced for the impact on the ground, only it never came. The storm had physically picked up the car, throwing it into the air and bringing me with it into the center of the vortex. The wind was absolutely deafening, and electricity seemed to pulse within the walls of the tornado from the static effect. Very quickly, all of my senses were muted from the sheer force of the weather. I screamed then, unable to control anything, unable to escape from the fate that had befallen me. I clasped my arms to myself, continuing to brace for the inevitable crash into the ground or some other object that the storm had picked off the ground. When it came, I only perceived maybe a second of it before I blacked out entirely. The sound of metal crashing into hard earth, and then there was nothing, pitch blackness taking over, consuming what was my conscious mind. I don't know how much time had passed, but when I woke again, it was daylight. I was on my side in the car, windows smashed out on the driver's side. I looked up through the passenger window, which was cracked, but not broken. I wouldn't see the sky, just what looked like a white sheet on the outside. Everything on my body hurt, but I was alive, somehow. I looked down at my seatbelt, which was smashed and bent in the locking mechanism. There didn't seem to be a way to unlatch it, despite my efforts. That's when I heard it. A voice on the outside. Hey! He's awake! Everybody, he's awake in here! Shouted a voice I didn't recognize. A face appeared at the passenger window. They were in some kind of sealed environment suit, looking down at me through a plastic window, shielding them from the outside. Sir, we're going to get you out of there, but I need you to stay calm and not move. It's more than likely you have several injuries, and moving yourself out of this could make everything worse. I'll be right here as we remove the doors, the stranger told me. I nodded in reply, barely able to vocalize any sort of response back. A large machine appeared shortly after and began cutting away the metal and plastic that made up the body of the car. It was painfully slow, but they were able to remove the passenger door and reach me. Getting pulled out of the car was one of the most painful experiences of my life. I suspected I had multiple broken ribs, if not more injuries to my back. When I was extracted from the car, I found myself in a large tent that had been constructed around my crash site. The snow raged on on the outside of it, but the material this tent was made out of seemed to repel the liquid effectively. I was moved to an ambulance that had been parked underneath a protective layer of the canopy. Several people started to evaluate my injuries while I lay out on a stretcher. As they did this, another person in an environment suit entered the back of the ambulance. Sir, I need to ask you a few questions before you're taken to the hospital, he said. My name is John, and I'm leading the search and rescue efforts for those trapped in the city. 
I nodded in response, still in incredible pain from the crash. Your crash site is about a mile from our perimeter, which is outside the boundaries of the weather modification effect. We've only just begun to send teams in to rescue, having figured out how to keep our own people safe from the effects of this snow, he said, motioning toward the blizzard outside. Slowly and painfully, I recounted my story of how I managed to get there, explained what happened at the cafe, how many people, and Roger's breakdown. The people I saw on the way here, including the two men in the fallout shelter some miles down the road. John took careful notes, taking down the numbers of survivors and their locations with careful detail, asking me to give street names, physical descriptions of landmarks I saw, so that they could more effectively locate any survivors. He thanked me and said he would do everything he could to find the people I saw. I was taken to a hospital outside of the perimeter, where I was treated for several injuries, but thankfully nothing life-threatening. The days wore on as I rested, healed, and tried to forget the horror of the storm I managed to survive. John returned a week or so later and sat on the stool next to my hospital bed. He explained that, thankfully, they had managed to locate several people I gave information on, including the two men in the fallout shelter who he described as charming. I interrupted him then, asking about the cafe and if they were able to find Cassie. John sighed then, seemingly unsure of how to explain it to me. Yes, we did find the cafe, but Owen, we didn't find anyone there. Not alive, anyway. You described the scene we would find pretty accurately, except inside the cafe there were four more bodies, each with lethal gunshot wounds. We did not find Cassie. At least, there was no body in the area we searched with an ID that confirmed that she was still there. I'm sorry. I don't have any other information. Just know that we will keep looking, not just for her, but for anyone who managed to survive, he explained. I nodded that I understood, and he stood and left then. I never saw him again after that, probably continuing his rescue efforts after having exhausted all the information I had to give. I was discharged a week later and given a ride away from the perimeter. I never found out what happened to Cassie, if she had escaped, if she fell victim to Roger and his insanity. Though I thanked God that I had managed to escape the nightmare of the storms, I prayed that those remaining would find a way to survive. I hoped Cassie had found a way, even though it seemed impossible.